What's going on, everybody? My name's uh, Isaac Hongos. I'm a photographer. I mean, uh, I'm a web video producer. That last line just does not want to get out of me, does it? Uh, what's going on, everybody? Uh, we're back here with another podcast. And this week, um, I got a pop filter, so hopefully the piece sound better. Um, and also, uh, I know it's been a few weeks, so um, I was thinking about giving away some presets. Um, I'll be doing like a tutorial uh, sometime this week, and I'll just be releasing some presets on uh, my YouTube, and I'll just be like dropboxing them to people, I guess, uh, in order to um, to say sorry because I've been gone for a few weeks, um, and that's because I just I just didn't ha feel like I had a good enough podcast um, through the week. I feel like I was pretty unprepared, so there's this uh, new structure. To the podcast now which is you know i think i'm just gonna do and find one story every day and then gather that information and then talk about it because um i feel like i was just going off the top of my head in past podcasts which is which is good but i think it could be a lot better uh so this week's stories what we're going to talk about of course we have to talk about uh pixel 4 because it just came out um we're also going to talk about uh, Google not giving full storage to Pixel 4 users. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Canon 90D. I think it's pretty new and recent. It just caught my attention. Uh, Amazon's Endgame. Um, basically, they're doing like $1 packages for free. And then uh, we're going to talk about WeWork and how it's going down the drain and why I think it's going down the drain. So... Uh, sorry about the typing. I swear I'll get better with the audio at some point. Uh, but right now we're trailblazing through these topics. Um, so the presets, they'll be free. Uh, I'll probably give out a few. Um, I still don't have a website. So maybe like a Dropbox link or something. Um, I don't know. But they'll mostly be like portrait and landscape presets. Alright. So the first thing that we're going to talk about is Pixel 4. Um, and that's because, well, uh, hold up, I gotta get my water bottle first. <clears throat> right. Because um, I keep on running out of saliva like halfway through, I came prepared this time. Um, so Pixel 4, um, I think it's a really phenomenal phone, what it's looking like. Overall, um, we're just gonna read off some of the specs and how it looks, how it's designed, uh, some kind of concerns, you know, personally. And I'll let you know if it's if I think it's worth upgrading, right? Because um, I think people, you know, there are just studies that show that people are sticking with their phones a lot more. And uh, it's kind of redundant to keep on upgrading every year because there's so many, there's so little increments that you can do to such a phenomenal piece of technology, right? And it makes sense, you know, that S moment that 4S moment where you can only increment it due to the laws of technology. Um, but yeah, let's go over some of these uh, some of these things that I find really interesting. So first is a nice matte finish with a huge uh, chin. Um, am I a fan of the chin? Uh, personally, I, it's never really bugged me if the chin serves the purpose. And I think we'll get into that. Um, all of them have a nice matte finish, the orange one and the white one. And then there's like a matte black that is that's a glossy matte. It's not matte black. It's it's just glossy. 
Um, it has a fingerprint reader. Uh, it has no fingerprint reader, my bad, because they're going with their own sort of face ID technology. I'm gonna call it face ID because um, it's like the easiest thing to say. So it's face ID. Um, there's black, white, and orange. There's a square bump, but we're gonna talk about the bump, all right? Because I feel like it feels unnecessary um, with this phone. Um, um, of course, there hasn't been that many reviews, but um, I'm just not a fan of the square bump. Uh, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that and why. Um, there's a square bump, it has two cameras, it has a flash and a laser autofocus. Um, uh, and there's really no way to get portrait mode. And we're gonna talk about no wide lens and why I feel like they're missing out on this, right? Um, we're gonna talk about portrait mode. Um, it's also water resistant and, it's and it has this really cra crazy voice recording feature, um, which I think a lot of us will find useful. I'm not really a voice audio guy, but I'll, I mean, it looks pretty amazing. So let's, let's just start off with the finishes and how it looks. Honestly, I think it looks really nice and sleek. Uh, am I a fan of the matte finishes? Yeah, I think like the white one looks like the nicest but I, it's, it's white, so it's bound to get really, really dirty. Uh, it's matte, so no fingerprints, which is really, really great. Uh, I think they all look really phenomenal. Uh, compared to like the iPhone, uh, like the way they look, I, I feel like there's a certain symmetry to the Pixel 4 with the square bump. Um, I think it's because the iPhone looks a little bit more round and the Pixel 4 looks a little bit more squarey. So I think that's, to me, the design, the outer design looks a lot better. Um, and over the iPhone, I feel like that's like the first time I've ever said that in terms of design. Um, and I feel like Google's getting really on it with the train. Hold on, let me just adjust the exposure up in here. Yeah, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm still using an iPhone to record this. So um, just gotta make sure the exposure is best. Um, so, I think it looks like a really nice design. I like the, the matte finishes. I wish they did a matte black, um, just because I don't like fingerprints on my phone, even though I have an iPhone. Um, and then, okay, again, we're gonna go to the chin, the upper chin, which has a built-in radar. <laughs> like, what are we, submarines? It has a freaking radar. This, this is a phone, not a radar, not a submarine. Um, and the technology looks pretty interesting, to be honest. You know, the closer you get to the phone, the more it'll know that you're there. And that's sort of combined with their own Face ID technology uh, in order to open the phone. Uh, seeing the demos on all these videos, it does look pretty snappy, pretty fast. And of course, it's just basic implementation of software updates. And uh, I think you have to kind of compare, you know, like um, I personally know Face ID is not as great as touch id what i found really crazy though was that there was no other biometric way to get into your phone look how fancy that sounds biometric we're really in the future when i people just say that casually right so there's no biometric way to get in and but we've seen like a bunch of android phones uh do this right like they have a fingerprint underneath the glass and it reflects off light from your fingerprint in order to scan it right um, I'm surprised that Pixel 4 didn't have that. And usually Google is the one that tests everything out. And to me, that just seems 
strange and odd. Do they really trust Face ID, their own version of Face ID, to be that fast? And to me, it's not a question about speed. Uh, I think speed comes secondary to security, right? Like, and where's this Face ID information going, right? Uh, I think you really have to think about the terms and services. Where is this Face ID information going? Uh, what's it going to be used for? Um, and is it worth it, right? Uh, so I guess that's like a problem with Google. That's like a sub point, right? Like, where is all this information going? The the, um, the speed, where, where, where is it? Uh, so again, secondary speed, but it looks pretty snappy. And that's, I think, because of the radar. And the radar serves more purposes, like being able to swipe like midair. If you're seeing the video, I'm just like swiping in the air, um, which kind of looks pretty futuristic if I'm being honest. Uh, but just the technology, right? Like, is it a gimmick or is it going to be actually useful? Uh, I think it'd be phenomenal for like Spotify. Uh, like when you're in your car, you don't want to do this, right? You're just like this and this. But are we at that point yet? Um, I think it's really cool that Google is trying something like this. Um, but I feel like they missed sort of the mark. And it's not just the biometric fingerprint thing, it's other gaps that aren't being filled in, right? Um, so Face ID, is it gonna be better? I don't know. Uh, is it gonna be unique? I don't know. Uh, so personally, I think they should have gone with something underneath the glass or behind it because if I compare the Pixel 2 to the 3, I mean the 3 to the 4, I honestly like the Pixel 3 a lot more. Um, you know, we can talk design-wise, but I like the fingerprint behind. So I don't know why they decided to do that, to be honest. Was it... Uh, clearly, they didn't make the decision on the design like three months before, right? They It took them a year. I feel like everybody just shared the same hub of designers. Um, but, yeah. what What is happening with that radar uh, and the face ID. I think that was a really big miss, especially when they're willing to try out, um, try out things. Google's known to try out things. Okay, so now we're gonna talk about that square bump in the back. It is the year of the square bump. I think it is unnecessary. You have two cameras and I feel like they, I feel like there's a lot of great phones that do need that third camera. Um, and that's been implemented really great. I think Samsung, uh, the new Note, is a really great design in terms of how it looks. Uh, there's no bump, I believe. Yeah, I believe there's no bump. It's like welded in there. It looks really, really smooth. And I don't know why Google didn't go, I mean, the Pixel didn't go along with something like that. Um, I don't know, are, are they trying to mimic it? Are they trying to mimic the iPhone? What are they trying to do? I'm not a personal fan of it, um, and I'm just wondering how this laser autofocus is gonna work, right? Like, what is the advantage of having it? Because uh, as I was looking through the reviews and the first impressions, it didn't really say anything about the laser autofocus. So what is it? Is it gonna be like eye autofocus in, uh, in your phone, uh, which I think would be really useful but how many people are actually gonna use it, right? How many people really miss that shot all the time? Um, so I don't like the, the the bump. 
and I, I personally could not tell uh, from the first impression videos and the reviews if it wobbles on the table. Um, so not a fan of the bump. It looks kind of gross if I'm being I don't like squares. I think that's my problem. I don't like squares. Um, so I don't think it looks pretty. I think they could have gone with a better design, especially it's two cameras. Um, it's just not my forte, right? It's and the and then I don't know. I just I just don't like it. It looks ugly. Um, it's distracting. Overall, like everything looks great except for that really gross square in the back. Does is that a contradiction? I don't know. But um, okay, so now we're gonna move on to the cameras, right? The cameras, the cameras, the cameras. Um, and I think this. I think a lot of people are disappointed, right? Um, and it goes back to the same point. No ultra wide lens. Uh, uh, and it's kind of pricey, right? It's like $100 more than an iPhone, which is going to get people to start talking if, oh man, do I really want to leave the ecosystem if it doesn't have an ultra wide? I feel like that's going to become a point of conversation, right? And again, it goes back to, uh, well, well, the, the guy that was announcing the Pixel was like, we're wide mode is cool, but portrait mode is even better. I completely disagree with that. Um, because again, you cannot fake a wide lens look. You can't stitch uh, photos and it looks wide, right? That's called a panorama. Panorama, panorama. Um, so I think uh, Google made a bad call in terms of no wide lens. I think they're a little behind um, because portrait mode, like wide, wide, wide lens portraits look pretty cool if I'm being completely honest and I haven't seen too much of a distortion with um, mobile cameras which to me um, is uh, really great really phenomenal and if you look at some wide portraits um, wide portrait photos I think for the most part they look really phenomenal um, and there's so many companies that are doing wide lenses really great and I just think they serve an overall purpose um, I think Google is the last company that should have gone for the portrait. I mean, the Pixel 3 already had really phenomenal um, portraits with a pretty standard lens. I think it's like uh, 35 to 50. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think this was a really big mistake. I don't think uh, people will want it. Because again, you can really... Uh, you can mimic the look of a compressed lens or of a portrait lens. And I think uh, I think it just really, that's another thing, right? Like, and you can't zoom out the standard lens, right? So again, like, what, what, who made this decision? Like, it's, it's clear, the movement is clearly going uh, towards the wide angle lenses. And again, hopefully, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so it's water resistant too. Um, yeah, I just think the portrait mode, you should just let the standard and ultra wide and people would have been super happy with it. I know I personally would have been, but it's not like I'm behind the phone, right? I'm just, these are all just speculations and I'm just telling you my opinions on it. Um, but I just, I just don't see people caring about portrait mode. When it was first announced, yeah, it was cool. But now I don't care about portrait mode. Um, so the voice recording, and this transcribe, I think that's really phenomenal. I think there's been a lot of times where I try to become a voice recording guy, like Charlie Puth or something, 
and I can't find the nodes because I don't name them. So I think um, if video, I mean, if um, Apple did this and it's encrypted and it stays, you know, on my phone, uh, I think it'd be really phenomenal because again, this is a free tool. Where is this, all this video transcription going? Where's your voice going? Who's listening to it? I mean, we already ran into problems with that. People listening in on conversations. Um, so again, where's this going? Really cool technology. Where's your voice going? Will it be used in an ad? Will it be used um, for testing purposes? Is it a personal recording? How do you, who's listening to it, right? Becomes the question. Um, because it just seems like uh, you're paying a lot to get free stuff that's going to be used for a huge corporation, right? Um, again, one of the problems with Google. So now I think, you know, every company is focusing really, really great on the photo, uh, but there's only so many margins that you can improve on, you know, like dynamic range, highlight shadows, um, and sort of sticking to the Pixel 4. Uh, I feel like there was a lot of shortcomings when it came to the video. I mean, there was really no talk about it. I like that the uh, speculations, there's 4K, I believe there's 1080, uh, 4K at 30 frames, really great. I believe it's like a 120, I might be wrong, because we're doing a Canon 90D, and I'm looking at the specs here too. But see, this is how little I know about the Pixel 4 video, because um, it just feels like there's no real company that's focusing on that. I think Red tried to do like a really great photo, <laughs> I mean video phone, and we all know where that went. Uh, it went completely haywire. So I think um, Google being Google uh, should really focus on video, right? Um, training video, video processing, video recording, and uh, video analysis just because of, uh, you know, deep fakes and all that stuff. But again, it's just like, where's the video? The best video to me is the iPhone video. I'm recording with that right now. Um, and I think no real company is saying like, here you go, here's a video. Of course, that comes down to the discussion of what people, what are people really taking? Um, what are people really doing, right? It's mostly photo because photos don't take up that much space and videos do. Um, so now we're gonna move on to the, the second story. Um, so wh what are my overall opinions on Pixel 4? I think they're like everybody, kind of everybody else's opinions. Um, there's just gaps. There's just gaps in all the wrong places. Uh, battery life, we didn't even talk about battery life. Uh, I think this is another topic within itself is like, how much better is software and hardware management uh, coming together with these sort of overseen phones by Google, right? It, it becomes like, a, you know, everybody talks about how great uh, Apple software and hardware come together so you don't need a whole bunch of RAM because it talks so great. So. I think that becomes another point of discussion, right? Like, what's the battery life on this? What are they claiming versus, you know, real world testing? Is it gonna be that great? Um, so again, I don't know any of these because the reviews haven't been coming out. But again, um, I think Pixel 4 is gonna be a great camera and it's not gonna let anyone down. I mean, we've seen the Pixel 3 does, so there's a, brand, a bunch of brand new stuff. But again, I'm not excited for it. I feel like there's a lot of stuff missing that I as a consumer want, but they didn't give to me. Um, I mean, the, the radar thing, kind of cool. Mm. Um, 
voice recording cool where's the information going what's it what's happening with my info um so I, I think you should consider that if you are thinking about buying this phone so now we're going to move on so we were talking about like video storage and stuff so now it's time to talk about uh pixel 4 now providing unlimited storage and this is from petapixel uh, iphone has uh quote uh, let's start over quote iphone has unlimited store unlimited original quality storage on google pics on google photos pixel 4 doesn't end quote see i'm going to do the end quotes and the quotes now so you get some sort of context um so pixel doesn't offer free storage and here's the reason quote because iphone shoots photos in hecic heck how do you say that h-e-i-c format and not jpeg you get free unlimited original quality backups to google photos due to hecic being smaller and more efficient than jpeg so google doesn't touch the files um and then there is, uh end quote then there is a redditor that says uh redditor stefan sawyer explains quote dot 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 iPhones therefore get free unlimited original quality backups simply because it would cost Google both storage space because if Google try to compress iPhone iPhones Hayek photos they would actually become larger and computing power because Google doesn't need to compress compress and process all the billions of photos iPhone backups end quote so um, I think we, we all know what the Hayek Hayek um, format is it's a brand new introduction to a file format uh, made by apple and i personally have used it um i don't use it anymore i actually turned it off after like a few days um and that was because it wasn't being supported and i was trying to like email it to someone like i was trying to email a few photos from my phone and it was like not being supported um but it just it just makes a whole bunch of sense right like um, the format is a lot more efficient. It's a lot better in storage and Google as much money as they have, um, still have to pay money for wherever all these files are being stored and analyzed. Of course, they get some sort of return because you're getting a free service, right? Quote, quote unquote free. Uh, but what is sort of my take on this? It just makes strategic sense. But if you're buying the pixel four, you're buying a $800, $900,000 phone, you should definitely be getting um, unlimited free storage, right? Like um, where, like you gotta ask yourself, am I really gonna get the Pixel 4 because of the one camera and the few nice things or would I rather settle for like a OnePlus, right? OnePlus absolutely killing it, is way less expensive, I believe. Yeah, I'll check that, but correct me if I'm wrong, because there are like a lot of great Android phones and now iPhones are getting cheaper that you have to ask yourself, is this really worth it? An iPhone 8, 500 bucks, phenomenal phone. It's gonna last you like three, four years. So you gotta ask yourself. Um, and you get the unlimited free storage, uh, uncompressed, I believe, um, from Google. So you gotta ask yourself. Personally, this seems like kind of a ripoff. You're paying $1,000 for a phone you should get the free storage. Um, maybe because of course, people are gonna be pissed that they're paying $1,000 for this phone. Google's gonna might change something. They might say unlimited free storage for a year and then afterwards it's at a discount. Uh, but 
Personally, I'm not really a fan of the Hayek formats. I think JPEG is still going to be sticking at, around for a while, and that's because everyone's used to it. If you didn't know, JPEG 2000 is actually more efficient and way better. It contains a lot more info, but people are just not willing to switch. So I think this is Apple's way of doing it. And again, just like converting the file is so difficult. I had to go through a few websites uh, in order to convert it to a JPEG. Um, and I don't believe Photoshop, I mean, uh, Lightroom was supporting the format either. So I couldn't convert from there. And it was like kind of difficult, right? Um, so again, Pixel 4, this makes it to me a lot less, a lot less valuable to me. Um, but it's it just like, what will be Google's response? How will the customers react? Uh, but th this to me seems like BS. So um, now we're gonna look into uh, the Canon 90D. And yeah, I, I had a sigh because I think it really is, I think it is really the end of DSLRs. Um, and sort of the problem with Canon, right? So hold on, let me get this drink of water in me first. And then we're gonna talk about the 90D. You know what was a horrible name? 80D. Try saying that three times fast because that was a really, they could have named it the 81D and nobody would have cared. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm just saying, it's really hard to say. And if you say it wrong, someone's gonna get offended. But um, the Canon 90D, um, I was looking at this camera, I was looking at the specs, and you know, I was thinking about buying one because of the flip out screen, it's a lot cheaper than like a, uh, actually at this point it's about the same as a 6D Mark II, uh, but I was just checking it out to see what it had, maybe, you know, maybe it's a lot better than the 6D Mark II. Of course, I still love full frame. Um, so let's sort of go down the list uh, because this kind of leads into the problem with Canon. And I think it's only Canon's problem. That's the thing. Nobody else is doing it but Canon. So we're going to go ahead and look over all this. So, of course, it still has high resolution sensor, uncropped 4K, finally in a Canon camera. Uh, 4K, 30 frames uh, during video. It has a beautiful ergonomic design. Excuse me. Um, which which is really great, right? So I think that's the one thing, like I said, that's the, that's the thing that originally attracted me to Canon, the, the beautiful grip. Um, it has a joystick, which I thought was crazy, right? Like they're putting a joystick in the lower end cameras. So there's some movement there and it has uh, dual pixel raw. I think... You know, it's all great until they butcher something. And Canon did it. They butchered something again. So they butchered 24 frames per second. What are you doing, Canon? What What is happening here? Um, and, oh, I forgot to mention. Uh, 4K up to 30 frames per second. 1080 at 120 frames. What is this, 2016? Um, as Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, USB, USB 2.0. Come on, man. We're in the future. This thing should have US, USB-C at this point. Okay, if you're a company right now, if you're listening to this, I don't know who's listening to this, tweet at me, um, that is still doing USB 
uh, USB 2.0, 3.0. You need to get with the program and whatever you're doing, you need to scrap it and start making USB-C because you're just holding people back, man. It is. Um, USB 2.0, um, you know, standard 1300 uh, battery, shots per battery, and yeah. So I think here's a problem, right? They're butchering 24 frames. It's a standard. It's a universal standard. Everybody uses it. I don't understand why they got, you can get to 25 frames per second through like this crazy menu setting in Canon and then you gotta adjust your equipment and calibrate it and so I don't know why Canon did this. What are you doing? 30 frames per second, you should just give me an option. Why are you making it more complicated than it needs to be, right? 30 frames per second is good, uh, but you should just give us choices and we're gonna talk about the problem with Canon now. The problem with Canon is, you know, I, I love Canon. I, that's all I own. Um, phenomenal colors, phenomenal lenses. Um, and it is, they keep on having the same problem, right? You're butchering the, the lower end cameras because you're afraid of going, of those being purchased instead of these huge 1DX $6,000 cameras and with all these features, the top of the line. But look, there's professionals, right? I don't think it takes, and there's no IS. There's no IS in the 90D. What are you doing, man? Like even the most basic Sony camera has IS. Like, and I think this this also becomes um, where Sony keeps on shining. You know, they're not they're not afraid to butcher their competition because they know that professionals are gonna go with professional level equipment. You think that um, like a newbie is gonna care about the 90D? And you know, when you're new, you don't know anything. So like. It's better to have it than not because people are gonna upgrade because they want something that's gonna go um, be able to stand up with what they're doing, right? So either way, most people purchase lenses, lenses is, oh, what's the plural of this? Lenses as they go along. So you're making more money off the lenses. That's why you, the lenses are always more expensive, right? Because you can buy multiple camera, multiple lenses. So. You know what, I'm not gonna give them ideas because it might just jack up the prices on the lenses, but you keep on butchering this, 24 frames per second, butchered it. These massive um, codecs in the can in the 5D Mark IV, you butchered it. The crop sensor on the on the 4K on the Mark IV, you butchered it because you think people, people are not gonna save up. People have a limit as to how much money they're willing to spend on the camera. So it's either you give them a really, really great camera with IS, with non with 4K that isn't cropped with great um, codecs that don't take up three memory cards for 30 minutes of shooting. People are gonna give you their loyalty and that's really hard to gain. And the more we go, the more they butcher this, the more they give us USB 2.0, the more that they lose the company loyalty. The, I personally, I'm thinking about getting a Sony. Why? Because it has really phenomenal uh, products for um for the price you know you look at the a7r3 it's still a really phenomenal camera i heard it still has like a little bit of over overheating issues phenomenal camera 20 it's almost 2020 you think it's going to compete with the mark 4 no so again like i don't know I, th I think canon's shareholder ceo people in charge you're not looking at the long-term game um loyalty company loyalty i've 
I've always spoken greatly about the company. Phenomenal company. You guys, are, you guys were doing really great. And now you're looking at short-term margins that are not going to return loyalty. And personally, I'm losing my loyalty to it. The Canon 90D looked like a phenomenal camera if it was 2017, if it was 2016, hell, even 2014. Um, but now it's like, yeah, let's, let's just throw whatever's out there, man. You know, whatever I'm feeling. And you guys are forgetting about the loyalty. Uh, people are losing loyalty. People are losing their patience. And the future moves on. And I don't know if you can say you're the king anymore, uh, Canon. And um, personally, give me a great camera. Um, and, and this is where the discussion of mirrorless sort of comes into the game, right? Um, sadly, I, I, I really do think it's the end of uh, DSLRs. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to sound like an old man trying to stick to his ways, right? It is, it really is, you know, they say part of the journey is the end. And I really, I really do think, you know, looking at all these headlines about like the Canon 1DX Mark, uh, Mark, 1DX Mark III, it looks like that is going to be the last DS pro level DSLR. And when I was looking at him, it looked like there were some great specs. Uh, IIS, you know, better frame rates. Um, there's just a lot of, uh, you know, speculation. Um, of course, it's going to be like $6,000. Insane price. Probably more, you know, just because of inflation and like economics and all that stuff, right? So um, I was looking at it and there's like a comment. that are like, um, you know, last DSLR Canon's going to make. Everyone's moving towards the mirrorless game. Um, everybody's ditching Sony, for, I mean, Canon for Sony, Nikon for Sony, because they don't butcher their shit. I'm sorry. Um, I, should pro I probably shouldn't cuss uh, because I'm trying to get monetized. <laughs> I'm trying to make money off this thing. Uh, just, just kidding, just kidding. Um, I don't know if Anchor even cares about the censorship, um, but... I, I really do think so. And, you know, I think that's just like the natural progression of technology. Um, and I say this because mirrorless cameras have gone so phenomenal. Like, it's really crazy. The form fact, you know, I, I like the feeling and the look of a DSL, the grip. I think that's the biggest thing that's keeping me um, from, like, purchasing the mirrorless. And I think that's one of the worries with, the, with any Sony camera is the grip. Uh, as compact as it is, um, I still don't like the grip. That's my biggest problem. Um, they're just doing so much for the eye tracking and uh, portrait and like being able to load LUTs into this thing and like eye autofocus and like I just said eye autofocus like tracking the tracking is so like it's so wild like I think if you try to put it in a DSLR it would just get a lot chunkier and bigger and in body stabilization and like at some point you're going to look at it with you're going to look at the viewfinder through your eye and it's going to be able to look where your eye is tracking and like take the focus there and um because of the software and like all this crazy stuff but like if you if you try to do it on a DSLR like it I don't think it'd be possible or it might be but it's it's it'll probably be more expensive and then you look at Canon uh like the Canon R EOS R uh, it just looks really phenomenal. It's really small. Um, I think that's one of the few cameras that I like the grip, but I just, 
it's like the first of its iteration. It's a new technology for Canon. And I want to stick with Canon because of the colors. But when Sony is doing it is like four or five generations in, they fix a lot of problems. They listen to the customer. Um, it makes me want to go with them. So um, I really do think it's the end of the DSLR. You just see, you see the glass turning into the mirrorless glass, the RF lenses from Canon. Um, you see a bigger focus on it. My, my iPhone's already mirrorless technically, and it takes phenomenal pictures. Um, and I don't think, I think there'll still be like a niche, like there's still a niche niche. Um, there's still people that shoot film. Um, I shoot a bit of film and I think it's just going to become one of those things that disappears and it'll make a comeback in 20 years. So keep your keep your DSLRs with you because it's gonna be worth a lot of money eventually. Um, so I really do think it is the end of the DSLR because mirrorless can just do so much more in a smaller form factor, means um, which means uh, less weight. Um, I just wish Sony's had like the, the tilting screen, you know, so you could see yourself like if you're vlogging or you're recording this, you're a one-man show. Um, but I just think that, you know, it's, they're just doing so much. They're doing so, things so much better. And um, I don't think I was, I think I was just like, eh, like if you looked at the first iteration of the mirrorless cameras, you're like, oh, they're missing so many features. But now the mirrorless cameras have way more features. They do it way better. They're lighter. They, um, they do so much more and you're able to put more stuff in. I still think it looks kind of funky when you have a huge lens on the small body, but hey, it doesn't matter, right? As long as the body performs really, really great and you have some great uh, glass on there. Um, I just, I'm just so baffled that it happened so fast, right? Like it was like three years ago where people were like, no, nah, I'm gonna stick with my DSLR forever. And I, you see the same people switching over. Um, am I, going to be stuck in my ways probably not because eventually the market's going to you know turn and they're going to be selling better products and i'm already a fan of i mean my mirrorless iphone so yeah if canon's able to come up with a really great full frame like canon eos 5d mark 5 and it's mirrorless and it's not crop 4k and it has c log that you don't pay for and sorry, the level spiked right there, but I'm pissed. Um, and there's no crop factor, and you don't, and there's IS, and you know this wish list that every videographer wants um, in their camera, and you don't do BS, you know, C log, ship it to us, and for a hundred dollars, um, I think they're able to make a comeback. But right now is the moment that they decide it's coming to 2020. It's a new. Uh, it's a new era, so Canon, get on it. Nikon, get on it. Uh, I feel like Nikon's way more behind, um, but I think um, it's time to pick up the slack and stop worrying about the short-term, um, the short-term economics, and focus on your uh, company loyalty. Because personally, for me, um, I'm losing my loyalty towards the company that I was so happy to be a part of. I sound like I'm a CEO or something, but I'm just a customer who really likes the products, and I'm just saying that. All right, so speaking of long-term um, growth 
and company loyalty, we're going to talk about why do I keep on saying that we're going to talk about. Uh, so now we're just going to dive into the next, uh, you know, thing, which is uh, Amazon going for the end game. All right. And I don't mean Avengers end game. I mean, like the actual e-commerce monopoly um, of e-commerce, right? Amazon, we all know it. There was this really crazy story that come out that came out from Vox. I know not a great source, right? But I th I just thought it was really interesting uh, because I feel like this is why. Okay, let me tell you a story and why I think uh, this is going to be very impactful towards the market. And as a consumer, my biggest thing is uh, consumer behavior, right? Like I see, you know, you look at a few videos and you're like, hmm, I see what they're doing. Uh, they're trying to build a habit, right? So basically, um, Amazon is going to start shipping $1 items for free next day. Um, so why is this important? It is important because usually, oh, okay. So if you, if you didn't know, Amazon's always had this like $25, $35 minimum for you to get next day shipping or two day shipping. Um, and now they're reducing it to $1. So it's just, you know, your basic stuff, you know. You have like uh, your deodorant, your shampoo, your your books, you know, they're they're clearly you clearly need a lot of that in order to get two days shipping. Um, but now it's one dollar and with one dollar, why would I go to the store to purchase a toothbrush? When I have this busy schedule, why can't I, I'd rather just have it delivered to me. It's $1. It doesn't cost me anything. Um, and I think this is both really convenient, but really scary. Um, Jeff Bezos is the ultimate long-term man. That sounds kind of nasty, but you know what I mean? He's always about the long-term. And this is a really crucial move because, you know, what do you go to the store for? You go because you need a toothbrush right away. You need shampoo right away. You're not going to wait two days. Why would I wait two days? But, oh, it's $1. So they're trying to build out this behavior um, that makes it so you go to them for everything, right? Um, and during this article, there was also some mention of Bezos is going for a carbon neutral uh, footprint by 2040. Oh, sorry about that. I mean, quote, Bezos is going for carbon neutral by 2040 end quote um so to me you know um it just it's just so contradictive right like these one dollar items are clearly gonna create waste with their paper with the way they're shipped unless they find some new way to ship it um and you know the the carbon pollution right so it seems a little contradictive um within that there's also a quote that goes uh, quote, there's more demand created by availability of these cheap products and cheap delivery options, end quote. Um, which is true, right? Like all these little items are going to start adding up. Of course, they're not going to be making money, but they're going to have a lot of company no loyalty, right? There's a really Im heavy importance with Amazon and their customer service. If I'm being completely honest, I personally have never had a problem uh, with a Amazon customer service, you know, I order stuff from Amazon as well. And to be honest, I've never had a problem with their customer service. And I think that's what's kept me there. It's like, um, you know, well, I mean, you're treating me really well, right? Amazon's like, uh, 
and, and the returns the return is another thing right like they make returns so easy which just gives them more company loyalty right and i think this is gonna i think this is a really crucial move because they're small items we use them every day and um people aren't gonna want to leave right people have schedules and they're busy um and but here's something that was really interesting quote Right now, the profit incentive is pushing retailers in the wrong direction. We can't expect companies to act against their own interests of their own initiative, uh, initiative. But as a consumer, we can help to shape the market. So at this point, we have to ask ourselves, is this, are we going to build the behavior to the point where uh, Amazon becomes a monopoly? Because um, I know a lot of, I know a lot of good information about economics but I don't know at one point it's considered a monopoly, right? Like, I mean, they own 50% of the e-commerce market, which is pretty big, right? But with this, your shampoo, your your basic necessities, like, what are they going to do? Uh, I think Unbox Therapy talked about this, and they're right. Now, you know, this is going to become the only place that you're going to want to shop. It's the most convenient. It has the best customer service. It has the easiest return. This trifecta, the, thing, the things that used to be really annoying, customer returns on the internet were the worst thing in the world. Buying somewhere, worst thing in the world sometimes on the internet. Uh, but it, they made it, they streamlined it, they made it so easy. And now um, Amazon will have the power to tell like Colgate, uh, Colgate, uh, you know, like Random House, the, the Penguin House, what am I saying? Yeah, the Penguin House, Simon and Schultz, what is it? How do you say that? Anyways, book companies, all these companies that make really small items tell them you can't. the book can't be over $10. And why? Because we own the market, right? You can't make a product. You, you're going to lose margin. You might have brand recognition, but you're going to be broke. So, again, this is really convenient, but we have to ask ourselves the environmental costs, the carbon footprint costs, and then their monopoly. That's the end game for Bezos, right? Are we breaking up the company? It doesn't seem like it, right? They have so much power and um, Jeff Bezos has a laser-like focus and, you know, they avoided taxes and, like, it's all it's all public, right? So, like, like this whole $1 thing is so... Uh, I think if you're not... I don't want It sounds mean to say you're not educated, right? It's like... Um, I think it's a bad way to put it. I think if you don't understand that uh, Jeff Bezos is going for the consumer, um, the consumer behavior, right? Like they're building a habit out of this, right? Oh, like one dollar, right? Like five dollars here, ten dollars here. You're giving them in, uh, small increments, and they're building out this consumer behavior. Of course, it's not just you know Jeff Bezos doing this and thinking about this. It's you know well-researched um, psychologists who are probably at his disposal i'm making this sound like a villain because jeff bezos is going for the end game um so again uh, if you're listening to this just think about it i don't like going to walmart sometimes because walmart <laughs> kind of sucks uh, i like target target's pretty good but um you know it's going to come down to are we willing to fund the monopoly that is Jeff Bezos, because I I really do think we're gonna have to end up at some point where 
the regulation is, hey, you can't be shipping these things out for $1 because Amazon is known for losing the long-term game. The long-term game for them is let's make this cheap. Let's cut the middleman. I mean, the first thing that they cut were books, right? Who would have thought that a bookstore online was going to become this, right? They're done it with books. They're going to be doing it with music. And what makes you think they're not going to do it with Colgate or any of these, you know, really old companies that have a bunch of moving parts, that have infrastructure, that have things to ship as compared to e-commerce, right? So uh, I do think that the government will eventually step in and tell uh, Amazon, hey, you can't be doing that. You can't. Uh, there's going to be a requirement for $35 all the time. Why? Because it's environmentally, uh, more environmentally safe. Um, you're crushing the competition. You're manipulating other companies that are outside of your area. Um, so it's going to become a really big thing. And I don't think we're going to, the government is not going to be able to catch up soon enough uh, compared to um, compared to the technology. So it is... Uh, a moment to realize what you're purchasing and to um, ask, is this worth $1 that will eventually lead to an empire? And that empire is, uh, the king of the empire is Jeff Bezos. And yeah, so it's a... So now we're gonna talk. So this is a subject that I was just learning about last night, which is about uh, WeWork. Um, I think that it was, it's a really cool trendy, place I've, i mean i'm a millennial <clears throat> millennial gang someone should make that shirt um and i just thought it was like a really cool company everyone talks about it uh but apparently they're going down the drain and you know there's a poor valuation so it was originally evaluated at four thousand seven hundred i mean four thousand seven hundred forty seven billion which is really really insane um and after a while, uh, after its initial IPO, um, there were, it, it came down to 8 billion. 8 billion is still a lot of money, but not 47 billion. There was a lot of misses. Um, and, you know, I'm really, I'm just amazed at what, um, what happened. You know, it always seemed like a really trendy, um, trendy place, a really phenomenal place. They were growing so fast. I mean, for me, uh, here in Silicon Valley, you know, it started off with like just one place in SF that I would pass by, and then it came down to like, um, and then it came down to like Oakland, and then S- San Jose, and then it was just all over the place. And now they're opening, you know, they own a lot of Manhattan properties. And if you don't know how it works, it's basically they rent out a, a big building for a long term, and then they um, rent out their own places and try to uh they sell it to like entrepreneurs freelancers companies big companies and try to you know make it on the margins so uh that's how it essentially works right hopefully you can do your own research um because i can only do so much research myself um and then you know in, in theory it sounds pretty good and pretty phenomenal but they also consider themselves a technology company which to me is absolute BS they are not a technology company 
Um, I think there was a really great video, hold on, let me just search it up, um, that explains all this, right? And to me, I have not seen a single piece of technology from them. They're literally a real estate company. And I, I think it's just really interesting because I've learned a lot about real estate and <laughs> it's just like, there's, they don't build technology. I mean, they have a lot of information. Oh, it's called Bid Business Disruptors. Okay, that's, that's a really great video about the business model we work and trying to do a lot. Um, but if it's one thing that I've learned about real estate, shout out to Graham Stephan um, <laughs> for teaching me about real estate. Um, is that real estate is a long-term game. It's not about getting rich quick. It's not about, you know, you buy this house and then tomorrow it's worth, you know, a million dollars unless you live in Silicon Valley. Um, and we work, um, this is also something, also something that I've learned from just being in Silicon Valley is everyone's taking the Zucks advice, which is move fast and break things. There are certain industries that you can do this in um, but real estate is not one of them. You can't break stuff and go very fast because that's not how the market goes when it comes to real estate. We've seen that in the 2008 recession. Guess what? We moved fast and we broke stuff. Mostly, we broke people's banks and people went homeless. So again, they're doing this. They're doing a lot of rapid growth. There's a lot of moving parts. People evaluated it. It was a unicorn that failed to fly. And of course they're trying to, do, I think the fundamental problem here is there's a lot of people who were trying, there was one person, which is the CEO, <clears throat> who, you know, I'm, I'm all for creative CEOs. I'm all for, you know, uh, cool woke CEOs and all that stuff, you know, um, even though Elon Musk isn't, he's a great meme person, but I don't think he's, uh, <laughs> I don't think he would ever say something as, he has some funny tweets. It's not an Isaac podcast unless you mention Elon Musk at least once, right? Um, so the CEO, I think, is... Um, I don't think he's fit enough to be the CEO. Uh, I did do a little bit of research from, uh, from a few YouTube channels that were talking about the CEO. Um, and the quote... I think this is the... Pro I don't know if I would trust this guy about the personal investor. Because... Okay, let's, let's see what he said. Quote, WeWork isn't really a real estate company. It's a state of consciousness, a generation of interconnected, emotionally intelligent entrepreneurs. End quote. Okay, if you invested with this guy and he told you um, that in person, I would personally not want to be the first fan of investors. Why? Because it's some hippie shit. Okay, you know, there's mindfulness, there's spirituality, all respect to that. But when you're in business, I don't think those laws apply too much, right? And I've been to these WeWork spaces, all their location. Guess what? They're built for millennials. And it's really cool, really open spaces, a lot of light, looks pretty, a lot of kombucha, kombucha, whatever the hell it's called. Um, and I think as a real freelancer, it's really, really cool. It's really phenomenal um, to have this sort of space. And, you know, to go there and work. Um, but I feel like, you know, um, you know, this is why it, the podcast will get a lot better as they go with the research. Uh, there was a discussion 
the book, I mean the book, the, the YouTube video uh, by Business Disruptor talks about how they rely quite a bit on freelancers, uh, you know, uh, freelancers, entrepreneurs, sort of these like small, um, sort of these niche groups, right? And um, the CEO said, I think if the recession hits, uh, they are more willing to stay because they're looking for a short-term lease. Um, and I don't really think that is, um, that's true because when a recession is going to hit, people are going to want to save their money. This is like the, one of the fundamentals of economics, right? Like if you look at the recession, when people, when a recession hits, recession, depression, people want to hoard their money. They want to keep their money. Do you think a freelancer, like a wedding photographer, usually when, um, when recessions hit, people are less likely to spend money on a wedding. People are less willing to spend money on like a photographer or a videographer. So guess what? That videographer is not gonna wanna spend $500, $600 to spend, spend it in a nice area. Um, and uh, they're not gonna be getting the clientele, right? You're just, I saw this joke on one of the videos and it's like, it's like you're paying it's like you're paying like $500 for a hot uh, for a desk at the library, which I think it is, you know, um, hold on. all this light. So, if you, I mean, if you, again, freelancer economy, people are not going to want to spend money. So I think someone really needs to kick him out uh, because cool cool word, cool integration of the word consciousness. What are you, Jaden Smith? Um, and talking about it, no, you're like a real estate company. This is like one of the most basic ways um, to like make money from real estate, right? You buy the property and then you rent it out and then you sort of have this passive income. But guess what? They're not just focusing on real estate. They're focusing on schools. They just opened one in Manhattan. They're talking about fitness, about dorming and all this, you know, crazy stuff. And like, uh, if you are an investor and you are investing into this company right now, I think you are making a very big mistake. And that's because real estate moves really slow. Millennials know, millennials, um, baby boomers, Gen Z, wait, Gen Z is the one after millennials, Gen Y, they know what happens when real estate goes bad. I think behind uh, like unsubconsciously, we know, like personally, I know I'm not gonna own a home for a really long time. People are scared of the lease, people are scared of real estate. I mean, it's pretty common knowledge. Most people don't wanna own these, these huge houses, talking about leases, most people don't wanna be in a contract. I mean, we see this with like pretty small subscriptions, right? Like cancel any time. I think we're used to that now. Um, so I think the problem with WeWork, it's evaluation of $47 billion just in evaluation. This whole IPO thing is really crazy. This is like, I think the CEO is crazy, like legitimately crazy because he's trying to invest and do all these things at once. He's not, there's no one thing that they're good at. It's cool that the place looks nice and it's brightened up, but they're not doing, they're not building technology. You're not a software company. You're not selling software. You might be selling data about consumer um, consumer behavior slash uh, work behavior, but 
that can only take you so far and they're burning through money like there's no tomorrow. Um, the CEO is not doing a phenomenal job. He sold a bunch of shares and the evaluation went down and like this is looking and they're hiring people and they're firing people. I mean, it's part of the company, right? Like firing and hiring people is like just a natural process. But I'm looking at this company and I, you know, as much as you think that there's, I think they just have a lot of great branding at the end of the day, a lot of great marketing, a lot of great branding. I know what they are. You probably know what they are. Um, but real estate, if you're an investor, please tweet at me because I'm going to be honest. I think if you're older, you know, you have money, you're a venture capitalist, you don't understand the technology. You're not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be an a-hole. I'm saying like, I, I know at some point I'm going to get old and I'm going to look at a piece of technology and I'm going to be like, what the hell is this? What does this do? How is it doing this? I'm not going to understand it. Right. Um, but we work is real estate and I'm pretty sure if you're an investor, you're into VC, you're into throwing money at, you know, angel, you're an angel investor. That's really great, man. But here in real estate, you're probably already in it. You know, it's a slow market. You know, it's going to come back. It's going to give you back. But this CEO, he's, he doesn't have laser like focus. He's like, um, he's like the light I have right here. He's spreading everywhere and looks really soft and really phenomenal. But hey, what? Guess what? That's not going to cut through like a book. That's not going to, you know, this light is never going to cut through a book. That doesn't make sense. And um, it, ma it makes sense in my head because, you know, laser like focus just cut through everything. This soft light is not going to cut through anything. Um, and they're just trying to do way too much. They're trying to do way too much to bring through a lot of money. They're doing all this. Please do not invest into this company. I'm not a financial advisor. But I, you know, I think if you have any basic understanding of economics, you'll know that this is not good. Burning to $219,000, million, $219,000, k per hour for a year is not good. Um, and again, um, this comes back to Jeff Bezos and Amazon's tactic, which is, hey, let's just take up the market. Let's just take up all the market. And... While we're taking over the market, let's make brand awareness. I think WeWork has done that phenomenally, um, but they don't offer more than that. And I think if you're spending $500 and you're a freelancer, you're paying for a desk with Wi-Fi so you can work, guess what? You can go to your local library and do the exact same thing. And guess what? It's free. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I, I just don't see... Um, we work coming back personally. Um, some people are like, nope, it's going to make that turnaround. And I think those are the people that invested a lot of money into them and they're seeing a huge loss. Um, but to me, uh, all these Silicon Valley companies need to stop trying to break things and go fast. Uh, I think the more I look into it, uh, slow and steady wins the race. And, <clears throat> you know, when... Amazon, I bring up Amazon because WeWork is trying to do the exact same thing. They're trying to build this ecosystem with like schools and gyms and everything and trying to copyright the word we. What are you, crazy? I think if you're an investor and you heard that he was trying to copyright the word we, um, that should have been your first red flag. You try to copyright a word, what are you? Uh, what are you, uh, the dictionary police? Horrible joke, I know. 
Um, but uh, it just, it's not a good investment. Real estate is a long, a very, very long-term game. Um, and I'm, you know, just as a millennial, I just, as a millennial, I just don't, it looks cool for pictures, uh, but to me, real estate is not something that I feel like you can, like you can't fully integrate a whole, no, maybe that's not the right word. Like, it, technology can only move so fast, right? Um, it can only move so fast, real estate is slow, and they're not building software. If you look at the WeWork, uh, the WeWork app, I think it has horrible reviews too. Uh, we work. There it is. It has two and a half stars. Okay, that's on the Google Play Store and on the App Store. Uh, it has two stars. What are you doing? Um, what are you doing, We work. You call yourself a technology company and you have two stars on the App Store. So uh, I feel like I was talking to real estate investors or uh, venture capitalists and I'm saying like, try to get your money Try to get your money back. Um, will they make a comeback? No, but I think this is, uh, first of all, I think they're doing too much. I think the CEO is nuts. Like literally, okay. Steve Jobs was kind of crazy, but in a good way. Elon Musk, crazy, but in a good way. Jeff Bezos, scary, crazy, in a good way. You know, like laser-like focus. Bill Gates, funny guy, crazy with his work ethic, of course. I think that's what I meant with Jeff Bezos when I said crazy, like crazy work ethic, right? Um, the WeWork, the WeWork CEO, crazy, literally crazy, hippie. Um, and uh, I think there's a pretty good medium when it comes to that. Like you should not want to be that kind of, you should be saying, that it is not, it is not a realistic, it's a state of consciousness. Like, um, what are you, a burning man? Uh, it is, it is not a good company. Um, I wouldn't say it's not a good company. It's just a company without a clear mission. And it's only thing is to mimic something, um, Amazon's tactic of trying to take over the markets. So I think it's, it'll only, it only works for certain things, right? Like, Amazon can do it because it provides a good, in a, it provides a good, it's, pro, it's providing um, like books, biggest example. So WeWork, you can't do that. You can't just move a building and send it to someone. That's literally impossible. So um, I think, you know, as, as much as I've learned from WeWork, how it works, its structure, if you look at the IPO, how it's gonna be handled, um, if you look at the schematics, it just, it just not, it doesn't look very successful. Um, will I be right? I don't know. Um, but from speculation, from, you know, my knowledge of economics and how the market works and real estate, I can tell you that it is going to be a very hard left turn or right turn that they're going to have to make. And I think the first thing they are going to have to do is fire the CEO because he just seems kind of sketch. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, that's everything that I wanted to cover. Oh, look, it's even an hour. So hopefully you're uh, listening to this uh, while in traffic. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying your time back uh, when you're going to work. Um, so yeah, so we covered a lot today. We covered uh, Pixel 4. 
uh, unlimited free storage, the Canon 90D. Uh, the problem with uh, Canon, the future of DSLRs, and WeWork. Oh, and Amazon going for the end game. So that's it. Uh, just uh, I'm just happy to finally be able to like kind of structure the podcast, and hopefully uh, you enjoyed it. And yeah, I'll be back with some preset videos, and hopefully you enjoyed the video. If you're a venture capitalist, tweet at me. Um, I'm not, I don't have a startup. I don't have that. But if you would like a, a millennial perspective on certain companies, uh, I'd be happy to share what I think about them because WeWork looks like it's about to hit the ground and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be losing a lot of money. Not just a lot of money, but a lot of working spaces because it's going to it's going to leave a black hole. And I think uh, the other competitor to WeWork is going to take that chance. Um, again, this whole crazy mentality in Silicon Valley, which is to IPO as hard as fast, hard and fast as possible is not sustainable for every single um, facility. Oh, not facility. For every single um, brand, it's not possible for every single brand it's not possible for every single industry there's only certain industries that it's going to work e-commerce was one of them books was one of them uh, so tweet at me um you know we just want to grab coffee or something along those lines if you're a venture capitalist or angel investor or like to talk about technology um yeah i think we work is going to go down the drain fire the ceo um but that's me that's it uh, make sure to be on the lookout for my presets, uh, my free presets, and that's it. I thank you so much for your time. What is it? I forgot. See, I haven't been doing this. Uh, thank you so much for your time and your attention. My name is Isaac Nyangos, and I'll catch you in the next one.